Our scripture reading this morning is from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. And Paul writes, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Amen. Amen. It is good to be worshiping together this morning. Um, again, I am Pastor Heidi Welch, and um, I just am excited to be together this morning. Um, and, and I remember I see some faces from last week um, when we did our blanket ministry, and I do want to report that we, um, we had the challenge of, of tying 102 fleece blankets, and we almost made it. Um, there are a few blankets downstairs if you want to take it home and while you're watching TV or, or doing, listening to a podcast or whatever you do, um, if you want to take a blanket and tie it, um, it's, a kind of, it's a good meditative process to do that. Um, we are in the midst of our four-part worship series entitled, Why? Where we are taking a look at why we do the things that we do as disciples. As followers of Jesus, we are called to grow in our likeness to Christ through worship, and study, service, and giving. If you've been a part of any church for any amount of time, then you know that these things are expected of us. But why? I think most of us, the because you're supposed to reasoning isn't very good. Rather, like a three-year-old, we want to know why. Because if we know that we are called to do something, if we know why we are called to do something, we are more likely to give it a try. So far, we've asked the questions, why do we worship and why do we learn together? Today, we ask the question, why do we give? Let's pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Empower us to live in light of the gospel message, declaring its truth with our words and embodying that truth through our actions. Amen. No, stewardship did not come early this year. 
as we are talking about discipleship, it's essential that we talk about giving alongside the other qualities of a disciple, worship, study, and service. Being a disciple is different than simply being a Christian. One is a way of life, and the other is just a name. To be a disciple is to lay down your life for God, to give God access and control to all of your circumstances, your health, your relationships, and your possessions, to give God your entire self and your entire life. That's what makes being a disciple so very challenging, giving God full access to you. It's easy to say, okay, God, you can have these parts of my life. You can have my health because I want to be healthy, and you can have my friends and my family because, Lord, they need you. And you can have my Sunday mornings when I don't have something else going on, and and God, I'll try really, really hard to give you like 10 minutes in the morning and, and at night to pray and to, to read some scripture if I wake up early enough. Now, you might hear this and you might think that either it's an over-dramatization of life or maybe it hits a little too close to home. I know I've been there more than once. And when we are ready to let God in and to grow in our relationship to God, the two easiest things that we do are to worship more regularly and to open our Bibles and to study. Serving others can sometimes be a little bit more challenging because we're putting ourselves out there and we're meeting new people, and that can be uncomfortable sometimes. But almost always, at the very bottom of the to give to God list is money. Even if we are growing in our likeness to Christ in every other way of our lives, we want to keep control over our money. I'm not really sure why this is, but I know I have felt it too. I don't know if it's because after paying bills and all of those things that you have to pay for, money is the one thing that we have control over in our lives. When often everything else seems uncontrollable. Or maybe we feel that we've worked hard for our money, and so we have the right to control where it goes. Or we just don't see why God needs that part of our life, too. But then again, maybe it's a combination of all of those things and even more. What I do know is that all of this makes the question of why do we give that much more important. We don't give because the church needs our money or to pay for this week's sermon. Yes, the church wouldn't be here without your giving and your tithes and your offerings, and, and the finance committee would be very angry if I said otherwise. And it's nice when you enjoy the sermon or when you're challenged by the sermon, but those are not the real reasons why we give. We give because of what it does for us, what it does for other people, and what it does for God. First, it's important to recognize that how we use our money matters to God. What we spend our money on either honors or dishonors God. It either connects us to God when we know that we are using money in a way that is pleasing to God, or it separates us from God 
when we feel embarrassed or, or guilty for using our money in a way that we just know wouldn't please God. But guilt and obligations, those are not reasons to give. As today's scripture put it, puts it, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We offer God money and other possessions because we worship and we serve a giving God. Giving is central to Jewish and Christian practice because God is perceived as extravagantly generous. Think of all of the things that God has given us. God is the giver of every good gift that we have or that we see in this world. God is the source of life, the source of love. We give because of who God is. Today's scripture goes on to say, and God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. This scripture can lead us to think that the more we give, the more God will give us. That if we give God money, God will give us more money in return. But I want to point out that right here it says, provide all you need. It doesn't say provide all that you want. And I would challenge that what God provides is not simply material. This isn't promising a wealth of things, but a wealth of heart and spirit. A few years ago, I met a guy named Ken, and he had a passion for encouraging people to tithe. Tithing is giving 10% of your income to God. It has deep, deep biblical roots and is focused on giving God the first and the foremost, and in doing so, putting God at the center of your life. Anyway, in, in working with Ken, he came to tell me about his story of coming to tithe. Ken's family was active in church when he was growing up, um, but they never really had any money to speak of because they were dairy farmers. He doesn't even remember his family talking about giving to the church at all. And Ken went off to college, and, and he became an engineer. And there he met his wife, Tracy. Shortly after graduating, they got married, and they lived very modestly as, as Ken um, started in his first job, and they just started going. You, you know how that is when, when you get out of college, you find your first job, and there's not much money to be had. They didn't have much, but they were active in their church, and so Tracy suggested that they begin to tithe. Her family had tithed when she was growing up, and so she knew it was an important part of, of following Christ. But since Ken didn't have that experience, he said, no way are we giving the church 10% of our money. We barely have enough to scrape by. We're not going to give God that much. And that was that for a while. 
Ken ended up getting another job, which paid a bit more, and then another one that paid a bit more than that. And so Tracy tried again. How about we try tithing to the church? And again, Ken said, no, we have to make sure we are okay first. So again, Tracy, let it go. Then out of nowhere, a little while later, Ken had this moment with the Spirit. And he thought, he had this realization, you know, everything that we have was given to us by God. I came from nothing, and look now at what I have, the way that I am able to provide for my wife and my three children. I didn't do anything to deserve this, and God has entrusted me with all of this, so I need to trust God. And so they began to tithe to the church. Ken was amazed at how they didn't even miss the money, but he received so much more in return. He did receive more materially, he, he said once to me, God just keeps giving me more, and I just keep giving it away because I know that God's going to do a much better job with it than I ever would. But he also grew so much as a disciple. Ken said that when I started tithing, I learned what it really meant to put my whole trust in God's grace. I knew that no matter what, God was going to take care of me and going to take care of my family because scripture shows me that. And the more that I was proven right, the more I fell in love with God. Ken had one of the most beautiful souls for God. And I truly think that it's in part because he trusted God with his whole self. He learned to do that, money included, and he allowed God to transform him in the process. It can be scary to give God an all-access pass to our lives. But when we give with glad and generous and sincere hearts, that is when, when we are given God's divine grace. We are replenished with God's divine grace. And that grace gives us all that we need as we depend on an all-sufficient God. And depending on a God like that, it changes us. It takes God from the periphery, from the side in our lives, and puts God at the center, saying, here, God, I trust you. And it takes saying that over and over and over again. Why do we give? We give because it changes us. It changes others, and it brings praise and glory to our extravagantly generous, all-sufficient God. When we give, it changes others because they are able to experience the hope and the love of God also. There's an old saying that says, many a time when someone's at their wit's end, a gift from someone else has seemed like nothing less than a gift from heaven. A man came into the office um, about a month and a half ago, and in so many ways, it seemed like he was struggling. I could tell that he didn't want to be here asking for help, but he had no other choice. And when I handed him a $25 gift certificate to get-go, you would have thought I handed him the keys to a new car. I had a prayer with him, and he kept thanking me over and over and over again for the work that the church was doing on God's behalf. I could tell that in that moment, 
he glimpsed God's grace and abundance. And it turned his day around. The service of giving enriches us, and it helps us supply the needs of others, but above all, it promotes the glory of God. The more people who know God and experience God's abundance and love and hope, the more praise and thanksgiving that will be lifted up to God. Our scripture this morning says, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Now, each week I have left you with a challenge. This week, I challenge you to take a look at what you're giving to God through BUMC. What does it say about your spiritual life? What does it say about your trust in God? How does that make you feel? If you truly were honest with yourself, is God at the periphery where it's safe and it's comfortable to have God there? Or is God in the center where it might be scary, but it's that that scary exciting? How would your relationship with God change if you gave God just a little bit more? Because remember, this isn't really about money. It's about growing in your trust in God and becoming more and more confident in God's love and God's grace for each and every one of us, even you. Again, like last week, I dare you to go grow deeper in your relationship with God. Are you willing to do it? Let's pray. Beloved Lord, we know that you give abundantly. We know that you love us and that you care for us. Those things we hear over and over and over again. But in this moment, Lord, let us pause and let them settle in. God, you love us. Your grace is sufficient. God, you give us everything we need. And if we trust in you, then you will show us more and more glory. God, help us to grow. Help us to take a next step, to love you more, and to see what you can do in our lives. We thank you, God, for being you. And we pray that these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.